0: Welcome to the History Slam podcast from ActiveHistory.ca. Here's your host, Sean Graham. Thank you, Adam. Welcome to History Slam, everybody. I am Sean Graham coming at you today, nearly live from Ottawa, Ontario. Got a really fun show for you today. We are talking musicals and some of the favorite musicals of historians. Anyone who was with us back in the spring when we did our full breakdown of Hamilton may remember that I mentioned how musicals are very much the soundtrack to my day. If you see me at Library and Archives Canada, and I have headphones in, I'm listening to a musical soundtrack. I just love them for whatever reason, partly because I like how a a soundtrack has a narrative voice to it. You can get a sense of what the story is. And most of them are around an hour. So if you listen to one and it ends and you haven't stood up or done anything in that hour, anything physical, it's a reminder to take a break, get up and move around. That's an added benefit of the musical soundtrack. But in general, I just love them. I love going to see musicals. I've never gone to a musical and been disappointed in that decision. And it's just a, a wonderful form of entertainment to me. And I know a lot of my historian friends also really love musicals, so I thought it'd be fun for the end of the year to gather some folks together, talk about what their favorite musicals are. So we have five guests lined up for you today. Some folks who I work with, some historians with Parks Canada. We have Stephen Smith, Michaela Gallinger, Phoebe Minnell, Lilia Lockwood, And then as an added bonus, we have my mom, who may not be a historian, but uh, she's probably the reason I like musicals. So we get the opportunity to talk to her and hear her favorite musicals. So be sure to let me know what you think and what your favorite musical is as we go through this episode talking about historians' favorite musicals. All right. And Michaela Gallinger joining us now. Michaela, how are you?
1: I'm great, Sean. How are you today?
0: I am doing well. Very excited to have you here. So we sit sort of kitty corner from each other when we're in an office. And you're one of the first people who I was able to talk about musicals with at Parks Canada because you're a big musical person. So before we get into your favorite musical, how did you get into theater and why do you enjoy it?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I, when I was little, I always loved uh, Disney movies and I think they're kind of a lot of people's gateway drug into musical theater just because of the uh, integration of the songs into the super colorful, fun movies. So I always loved Disney movies and then my dad actually uh, really likes musicals. So we started watching kind of the um, older musicals from his youth uh, when I was little um, some musicals I don't necessarily enjoy to these to this day, like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is a, is a special type of film. <laughs> um, but, uh, after that, I, uh, I got into musical theater when I was in high school. Um, and I was in a couple of musicals and I've just always loved musicals ever since. I think they're just a really, I, I love theater in general. I love plays. I love Shakespearean plays. I love Arthur Miller plays, uh, pretty much anytime I can like get into a theater and just sit down and turn off my brain. um, I'm more happy uh, than anywhere else. So I think that's what I've always found really special about theater in general is that it's kind of the one place in the world where you get to sit and the entire outside world just evaporates and doesn't exist for, you know, that two hours. And you get to be experiencing something so special with a group of people. And no matter if the show has been done you know, a thousand, two thousand times before, it'll never be exactly as the same as the show that you're watching. And I just think that that's really special.
0: 100%. I, I totally agree. Very well said. So let's uh, get into the ultimately reductive process of picking a favorite. And uh, what of the shows that you've seen, or maybe even ones that you haven't seen, because uh, I know you'll, you'll listen to the soundtracks before you see a show. So you differ from me on that approach, which is always fun to have that discussion, but what is your favorite musical and why?
1: So I thought long and hard about this question because there are a lot of shows that I've seen very like different types of productions. So I've seen a lot of like high school productions of shows, um, seen some, uh, you know, like regional theater, community theater. So I was trying to like figure out if I had to limit it to ones that were like either Broadway or Broadway across Canada and then I thought, I was like, no, it doesn't really matter what the like production values of the show are. It's about like the book and the music and, and how the characters speak to me. So after a long and arduous vetting process, I think I decided that my favorite is Hairspray.
0: All right. A fun, fun show for sure. I was actually talking about this one over the weekend uh, in, in terms of whether you could make Hairspray a one act show for a cruise ship, because apparently it's, it's popular on cruise ships, but I don't think on a cruise ship they do acts. So we're trying to figure out what you could cut from the show to make it a one act cruise show. But what, what for you stands out as the the thing that really hooks you into Hairspray? The
1: thing that I've always really liked about Hairspray, Hairspray, like the movie, um, the more recent movie with uh, Zach Efron and uh, Nikki Blonsky came out when I was in like just beginning high school. And there was just something very interesting about watching that show and seeing someone who just looked different and her story be about her talent and not about the way that she looked. And I think that as like a teenager, that was just really interesting to me because it wasn't something that I had necessarily seen a lot of before. And I just thought that that was really, really special. And I also really love the way that in the show, Tracy's really forced to reckon with the kind of rose colored glasses that she's lived her life wearing even as a a person in a bigger body she realizes that a lot of the injustice in the world that she just was completely blind to it um, because she's not a person of color so I think that the way that the show helps you as a viewer and me being like a white woman as like a teenager to see how the show places you in Tracy's space to see all of the things that you know, I wouldn't have noticed before or that it would have been through other situations that I would have had to kind of reckon with those things. It's interesting to be able to place yourself in the same headspace as the main character and watch as the world is changing around her. And it forces you to really question what, what things you've kind of just accepted as fact or not even questioned in your own life that are a result of the privileges that you're born with.
0: And I think too, part of what, Tracy's story is is interesting to follow is that she's trying to bring her mother along into this modern world and at the same time she has to be brought along by her peers right and then so you see sort of you know she's trying to push her mom push the show but then those around her are trying to push her at the same time and it's so there's a lot of angles at play in the show and and certainly the message is very uplifting and it's you know the way it ends everyone coming together in the the big song but if you think for me when i think of that show i know where i've been certainly stands out Mm -hmm. as a sort of like a great song and and the one in that 2007 movie that queen latifah does is great but i will say too i think my favorite song in the show is big blonde and beautiful Mm -hmm. that i just love the i love the lyrics of it i think it's so clever and creative but I also like the messaging behind it, and it's it's a one that I whenever it comes on, I I definitely like to pay attention to that song. It's so lyrically clever.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful song to listen to, and I just I recently rewatched Hairspray with some friends uh, over uh, over Zoom, and it was one of the ones where when we were watching it, we were kind of thinking like, wow, like this is kind of a great song just now talking about like the body positivity movement and the fat acceptance movement. And I just thought it was really cool like sitting back and listening to that song and watching Queen Latifah the Tupac perform. And I was like, yeah, like this song is one of the best songs in the show. But I think when I was younger and I had seen the show like for the first couple of times, I don't think it would have even been in like my top five. Um, right. But yeah, it's definitely one of the most powerful and it has a strong message. It's very clever. And also it's just really, really fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially the way in that. Version of it, the way they do all the choreography with the plates and they're dancing around with the food, it's, uh, it's really fun. And then the other one that I really like that I that every it seems like every time I listen to it, something lyrically hits me in a different way is "Run and Tell That."
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the way that song comes together, really clever. And whenever it doesn't matter who I've seen do it, whether it's stage or in the movies, that wh- whoever they cast to do that, like. Obviously, it's that's a heavy song in, in terms of the requirements and the notes you have to hit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing whenever you see somebody be able to pull that off.
1: Yeah, it's that's one thing that I think is so special about musical theater is if you're especially if you're watching a show and you're in a theater, when you can tell that the actor is really proud of a note that they just hit and the entire <laughs> audience is also proud of a note that they just hit, it's a really special moment.
0: Yeah, no, no question. Yeah. When you can hear audible gasps, sometimes when people hit a note, it's there. Yeah, there really is nothing like it. Because yeah, you can hit it on on a screen in a movie, but it it's not the same. It doesn't register the same way. Seeing human beings pull stuff off like that live. There is nothing like it.
1: No, it's amazing. I miss it a lot.
0: So if you had to pick one show. So let's move it forward. Is Hairspray a show, say a year from now, first thing back, you can pick any show at all ever to see as like your first time back in a theater. Is is that where you're picking or would you go in in a different direction?
1: Oh, That's an unfair question. I know. Um, Can I, while I think about it, can I turn the question on you?
0: Of what I would want to see first? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where I would want to see something positive and uplifting Something that's just a lot of fun to see uh, and, and where the the music gives you sort of this like dance around sort of fun feel. So maybe, I don't know, something like uh, Kinky Boots or Mamma Mia mm. in that vein of a show. Even the SpongeBob show. I really I, I love the SpongeBob show. I saw it twice. In New York. <laughs> um, like something fun and uplifting as that first time back. Uh, I, I would do that in terms of things that would be currently running, maybe six. As a good, you know, rock, like we're back in on this very uplifting type show. And then I would leave some of the more serious shows that are really good until I'm sort of back in the routine. So the girl from the North country, the Hades Towns, those type of shows. I don't think those would be the first ones I'd want to see back. I'd want to see something that really lifts the spirit more.
1: Mm, Okay. I think, okay, so I have two answers. Because I had, as we were talking, I had thought of one and then you mentioned six and I was like, oh yeah, I really want to see six. So so I would, I would love to see six. I've been obsessed with that, uh, that cast recording for like what, since it came out, it's just so much fun. It's also just like, it feels like a very, it's a very like easy digestible show. It deals with, you know, obviously some more like difficult things with respect to the way that, uh, King Henry treated his wives, but it's just uh, it just seems like it's a lot of fun. And you said it was also a lot of fun, so I, I trust your reviews. Um, but also, uh, last week, the um, one-night-only uh, Best of Broadway show on NBC, Jagged Little Pill, did two performances, yeah. and I was just all about it. I enjoyed them so much, and I remember that you said that Jagged Little Pill was really, really good. So if I could see any show and money was no object and it was safe to travel... I would really want to see Jagged Little Pill and Six.
0: Yeah, Jagged Little Pill. I, 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 It wasn't my idea to go see it, but I'm glad I went and saw it uh, when I was in New York. It, Yeah, it, it's amazing. I might put it into that girl from the North Country category of like maybe not the first one back because it is really heavy and, uh, it, and some of the stuff it deals with. But it is spectacular. And it's, I think, the only show. I mean, every show has, has a show-stopping number in it. Mm-hmm. And I think of... When I saw something rotten, the applause for the the song about it's a musical yes. was at least a minute long. But in Jagged Little Pill, when they do the the big show stopping number, Lauren Patton in the second act, full on standing ovation mid show, it, it's incredible. incredible. And I've seen videos and and heard accounts that that's basically a nightly thing, that it is a standing ovation in the middle of the show. So certainly something that yeah I would I would highly recommend it for sure.
1: Well, as soon as it's safe to uh, travel, to hop across the border and and, and take a jaunt to New York, I will have my tickets in my pocket ready to go.
0: (laughs) Yes. And hopefully that's soon. So uh, Michaela, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, Happy holidays and all the best for 2021.
1: Thanks, John. Back at you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Okay. And Lilia Lockwood joins us now. Lilia, how are you?
2: I'm doing very well, thank you. Happy to be here to chat about musicals.
0: Yes, so uh, I, I'm curious about this for everybody. How did you get into musicals? What do you like about them? What What is appealing about going to a theater for you?
2: Well, I definitely grew up watching those um, uh, old grand film musicals on VHS because my parents love all forms of the arts. So that's how I first got into it, uh, watching ones like The Sound of Music and The King and I. And um, my parents have also always taken us to live theater shows. So we went to the Stratford Festival here in Ontario and went to see uh, musicals there. So it's just something I've watched all of my life. And I love the, the song and dance show, but also um, the depth of emotion that musicals can have and, and the impact they have on people too.
0: Yeah, I uh, I I agree. And and one of the cool things that you've showed me is the community theater here in Ottawa, out at Centerpoint that we've been to a few times. And I'd never really been to community theater productions and they're so much fun.
2: Yes, and they're amazing quality and I only wish that I could be involved in them, but sadly I'm not uh, I'm I'm better as an audience member than as a musician.
3: <laughs>
0: You could try. I mean, not all musical roles have to sing, necessarily.
2: It's true. Um, In high school, we we put on musicals every other year. And the year that I was... um, kind of eligible to participate. We put on A Midsummer Night's Dream with incidental music. Yes, I don't know if that qualifies as a musical, in fact, but I was in the orchestra for it, so I was a behind-the-scenes person. Um, But it was so much fun to still have that feeling of community when you're participating.
0: Right, and yeah, that's what everyone involved in theater talks about is the community that goes into any sort of production. So let's get your favorite musical I'm very curious to know what this is, because we've talked about musicals a bunch, and I'm really very excited to know what you would identify as your favorite show.
2: First, I've got to say, this was such a hard question, Sean. I spent (laughs) hours, hours thinking about it. But what I came back to was, what's one of those musicals that I watch over and over and over again, and it always just leaves me feeling in a better mood? And that would be Singing in the Rain
0: okay. Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Classic. Uh, an old school classic. So are you thinking of movies, uh, the movie, or have you seen it done on stage?
2: Definitely the movie version with Gene Kelly. I, I was actually very curious what it would be like to see this on stage because I've only ever seen that movie version. And so a while ago, I was looking up online. I thought, is there even a stage version? Because if there is, it's not one that I've really heard of. And it has been done um, and I would love to see it in person, but I have to say that so far I've only ever seen it on film.
0: Okay, so uh, I'll blow your mind right now. Okay. I've seen the stage version.
2: For- <laughs> oh my God, and Yes, how was it? Uh,
0: it? It was interesting. So I was in Melbourne, Australia, as one finds themselves in, in Melbourne. And uh, it was the summer that I was in China and I took, we had a week off and I, I went to Australia and the theater down the road from the hotel was doing Singing in the Rain. No way. And they had an equivalent of, like, the TKTS booth in, that's, that's in New York. And I was able to get tickets for it. And it, it was an interesting show. Uh, it was very much like the movie. Like, I don't think the movie... And the stage show were were too different. And the movie doesn't require a lot of sets necessarily. It's not super location-based that you can't do on the stage. Yeah, The one thing, of course, that is difficult to do in a theater is have it rain.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes, that is one of the questions I had when I was thinking, how do they translate this onto the stage?
0: So they they made it rain on the stage. They had uh, some sort of a setup that it would rain. It was not the entirety of the stage. It was obviously a localized area, but they were able to to make it rain. They did say in the theater, as you were going in, that the first few rows could get wet. Oh, wow. From from the rain. And yeah, and it started rain. And when it started to rain, the crowd went nuts and just started to applaud. They were so excited that it was raining in the theater. So it, and that, yeah. And then it just sort of drains away. And I've seen it in, in some other shows that I've been to where water will come down and they have some sort of a drainage system on the stage. And I'm not entirely sure how it works, but that that's sort of how they set up. I'm sure it's very expensive to do. It would be tough to tour that. But it uh, it was it was pretty cool to see the stage version of something that, as you know, would be tough to produce.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. And it's such an iconic moment in the movie version that you really, I think you have to do it all the way, like just go all in on that part if you're going to be putting it on live.
0: Yeah, you can't have like a screen behind him where it rains on the, like, you actually have to have water coming on the actor who's doing the song.
2: I quite agree. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in that movie that I think uh, are so acrobatic and athletic too, um, that would be a real feat to do on stage.
0: Yeah. Like make them laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Make them laugh is, is one that that's, I think stood out to me more than the rain is what they did in make them laugh. And I really enjoyed that. So what is it about singing in the rain that really stands out to you as your favorite musical? Why did you pick that? Like, what are some of the specific things in that show?
2: Well, like I said, um, I watched a lot of those, uh, grand old musicals growing up on, on VHS. And this was one of the ones that we watched over and over again. We had a whole collection of Gene Kelly musicals, like Anchors Away and Brigadoon and American in Paris, which is you know one of the highly regarded ones that he's done. But Singing in the Rain was the one that I could just watch a million times. And so even now it has that comfort to me of something that you've seen a lot and holds some memories. And so that's definitely one part of it. And the other part of it is I love the songs. They're so catchy. And one of the things that uh, kind of gets me down sometimes is how overdone those songs have been since the movie came out. And I'd say more in recent years. I mean, so many commercials have used Good Morning and Singing yep. in the Rain as backdrops that um, that put me off for a little while. But now that we don't even need to watch commercials anymore on TV with our <laughs> Netflix subscriptions, I, I've had a break and I just, yeah, I love those songs. They put me in such a great mood, especially singing in the rain when I'm feeling down, go for a walk, sing that song in my head.
0: So is it a show that you need to see or is it something, are the songs enough to just listen to or the visual, especially, you know, we mentioned Make them Laugh. Uh, good morning's another good example certainly singing in the rain they're they're so visually memorable from the movie and the action is is so central to what's going on in that in the songs so is it a show that translates well to just listening to the soundtrack
2: I think so but you know what you've raised such a good point about the the physicality of it and those dance numbers are incredibly impressive and so acrobatic and you really feel the exuberance that comes out of those dance numbers when you see them as well. And if that's what helps put you in such a great mood after watching it is that there's so much energy in this
0: musical. Yeah. It's joyful. It's a joyful show, I think.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I, I mentioned before that musicals can also have some serious uh, impacts with the, the storylines and the issues that they examine for sure. But I do love that happy feeling you get when you walk out of a theater at the end or, you know, after watching the credits roll on a movie version.
0: Yeah, 100%. I I totally agree. So last question, and I'm throwing this at you cold. I I didn't let you prepare for this. What do you want the next community theater production that we go to? What do you want it to be? Do you have a sense of what show you'd want to see? as that next thing when we oh. go back to the theater to that community theater as the, the colleague group do you have a show that you would really want to see as a really good first one back
2: yes oh sean that is such a tough question you know <laughs> how to ask them um what i would like to see is a show that i've never seen before because as you might have gathered i tend to go back to my old favorites over and over again either listening to the soundtracks or watching them and and i Love that experience, but it would also be great to just watch something new. And you inspire me in that way because you go to see pretty much any and every musical.
0: So I try to. I, I think
2: if it, was, if it was something I haven't seen before, even if it's an oldie or a new one, I would really be into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, the, the infamous March 13th, 2020, uh, we had tickets to something, to one of these community shows that Friday night. The, the day that everything shut down, at least here in, in Ottawa. And I don't remember what it was. Do you remember what that show was that we were supposed to go see? Oh, that
2: night? Was, it, uh, was it Rock of Ages?
0: Yes, I think it was. It might
2: have been that one.
0: Yes. And then we had another one that was canceled. Uh, an American in Paris or no, Did A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder.
2: Yes, that was it. And I was very much looking forward to that one because it's one I hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah, me too, and I've heard really good things about it. So I, I was really bummed that we couldn't get to see that. And this season, which would have been ongoing right now, I know something rotten was on their schedule, which would have been a lot of fun to see how they did that. But you know, we just uh, we'll just have to wait and see what they see what they come up with for whenever it's safe to return.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for that day. I will say, at the beginning of quarantine, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber was streaming his <laughs> musicals on YouTube, and <laughs> I ended up streaming quite a few of those to try to fill the void.
0: Yeah, we've all been doing whatever we can to sort of get our fix. As we yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber, I don't know if that'd be my go-to, but hey, you know. Y- it was y- better, y- you know? <laughs> yeah, and you know, you'll, if you like Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, great. Enjoy them. They're, a lot of people like them, love them.
2: I definitely went through a Phantom of the Opera phase, perhaps like every teenage girl does.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, especially if you were anywhere near Toronto. Oh yeah, uh, that show certainly a long running show and still runs in uh, in New York. So uh, one of those classic ones that I, I do think that yeah everyone should probably see it at some point.
2: I agree with you on that point, for sure.
0: Well, Lilia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about some musicals today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Stay safe and all the best for 2021.
2: Thank you. Take care, Sean.
0: All right. And Stephen Smith joins us from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, the Ontario historian of Parks Canada from Nova Scotia. Stephen, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: i'm doing well so yeah we we've worked together for a while now but yeah we haven't seen each other for a few months so how you been doing in the pandemic and uh how is the now popped atlantic bubble treating you uh
3: it's been treating me very well we uh, were pretty much COVID free over the summer and uh work's been going great uh, having lots of fun uh yeah,
0: yeah. that's hey, great to hear uh that everything's going well we see each other occasionally on the, the group calls but I uh, haven't really had a chance to talk, so it's, it's good to hear from you and good to hear everything is going well out there. So let's get into your favorite musical and where you land on uh, on, on what musicals should be going forward. Because I know you have an interesting idea on the next big musical.
3: Yeah, so so my thoughts on, on historical musicals come from when I uh, taught... Um, at Queens, I taught a, a, a seminar on uh, American history from 1800 to 1850 called uh, the Age of Jackson. And uh, at the at the start of it, when I first taught it, I uh, showed uh, my students uh, a video of a song from Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson uh, called "Populism, Yeah Yeah." It was a musical that I, I don't really understand and I've never seen, but it was something about Andrew Jackson and it was topical. So sort of, it was one of the, one of the ideas of sort of looking at it, it was sort of looking at this musical and looking at a few other documents and then trying to figure out who Andrew Jackson was if we only had this left of him. Uh, but then yeah. in, in, in the later years, when Hamilton came out, uh, I uh, moved uh, to talking about Hamilton and Andrew Jackson because um especially with Trump, uh, because that was sort of when he was running and and that, uh, I wanted to kind of get them to think about kind of how kind of Hamilton and Jackson kind of switched because it's called The Age of Jackson based on the Arthur M. Schlesinger book. And back then, you know, Jackson was this progressive hero and Hamilton was this, you know, evil aristocratic conservative. Uh, And then with, with Hamilton and with Trump, that all changed, you know, Trump puts up his big picture of Jackson in the white house and, you know, ooh, we see Jackson is, is, you know, very much, you know, not, not liked by, you know, the Democrats, even though he was a Democrat. And then uh, Hamilton becomes this, this kind of progressive champion. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just interesting kind of how that, that kind of switched where sort of, you know, each side kind of looks to, to sort of history, but that whole, like, who they look to kind of completely did a complete 180 uh so uh, that's sort of my kind of where my musical thoughts kind of started uh, around historic musicals.
0: I mean, I, that's interesting because I mean, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't like Andrew Jackson, right? Um, oh,
3: of course, yeah,
0: uh, that are, are, are pretty well founded. And I'm, I'm, I wonder if people have this perception of Alexander Hamilton as a progressive person because of the show. Certainly, the show itself is progressive in how it presents the story and the casting of the story is very progressive. If you look at traditionally what Broadway is. So I wonder if that does get put onto Hamilton himself, because I don't know if the show necessarily presents him as progressive. They omit things that would really hurt his or hurt a perception of him as a progressive most notably a slavery and the benefits that he personally got from slavery so th- there's that element to it but it, it's, it's interesting to think about um and, and how the perception of him has changed from before the show to now and i mean that's i guess almost what the show is about too and, and you know the last song of who who tells the story and the perception that comes from that so it's, it's interesting to think about for sure
3: yeah i know it's um it's it's very yeah it's like it's a very bold and, and new musical and sort of how how it does musical and, and does does musicals and who it casts so so it's very progressive in that sense but yeah like how how that kind of fits in with the history and and what it's what it's talked about and you're absolutely right you know i i, I do believe at least from what i've read that that hamilton's uh abolitionism is is overplayed um and and certainly you know um yeah was very much uh, you know not not a man of of the people but uh but uh yeah no very interesting kind of how how things how things work out uh, that way but uh, always great to to you know have new uh new historical musicals and, and new history and, and stuff we can sink our teeth into as historians
0: yeah no no question about that so what is the next book that you are foreseeing as the smash Broadway hit?
3: I I'm not foreseeing it as a smash Broadway. <laughs> hit. I, I think it would be, but I don't know who would make a musical about this book. It's it's called The Kingdom of Matthias. Do you know the book?
0: I don't know the book. No. Oh, so what, okay. What's it's, it about?
3: It's by Sean Weilens and um, uh, Paulie Johnson. He did uh, the show Millennium. Uh, and uh, it's about uh, this guy, uh, Robert Matthews uh, who becomes uh, a prophet he, he comes he comes out as a prophet uh, he starts a community it's part of the Second Great Awakening uh, that time in in American history around the 1830s where uh, you know all these new religious movements are starting in, in upper New York State and, and he's one of them uh, and anyway he starts it and then it all falls to pieces. Uh, I sort of see it as, uh, book of Mormon meets Alexander Hamilton meets Death of a Salesman, which sounds okay. pretty cool as a musical.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are all three really pantheon musicals. So yeah, put them all together. It, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I it could miss, but it it certainly has all the elements of what could make for a really good story on the stage for sure. So that's uh that's interesting. So when you read the book, it immediately. Or maybe not immediately, but it, sh- it it struck you as something that could be told in a narrative way that that's appealing to folks.
3: I mean, yes, it's, it's quite an interesting narrative. Uh, it's it's well written in terms of you know how kind of this guy starts, and it's very you know it, it, has, it has all these you know interesting uh, things about it. You know, uh, like, you, know uh, uh, you know, intrigue. There's a murder. Um, so and and just kind of interesting kind of how how things are kind of flipped uh in terms of you know he he doesn't he doesn't become uh a religious figure that we know about anymore like his his uh his uh, church uh, falls to pieces and uh he sort of dies kind of in in total obscurity but uh, no i think it would be a, a pretty compelling uh pretty compelling story uh I mean, even, even not as a musical, but as a play.
0: All right. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. And if you do this show and it becomes a smash hit, I would say half a percentage point on ticket sales. Go to Stephen for it. I think that's a fair deal. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Stephen, thank you for joining me. Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, let's see if this gets made. It does sound interesting. So, uh, So thank you for joining me and all the best.
3: Thanks Yeah, you as well. Good to chat.
0: All right. Next up, the great Phoebe Manell. Phoebe, how are you?
4: I'm great, Sean. How are you?
0: I am doing so much better now that I'm talking to you, of course. <laughs> so, uh, so Phoebe, let's uh, let's get into it. What do you got for your favorite musical?
4: Okay, I'm going to be uh, a little weird. So, mine is Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog.
0: Okay, so go <laughs> way off the board on this one. I'm, so, I'm very excited to hear the rationale.
4: Yeah, so my rationale starts with the fact that I was one of those total losers in high school that thought that expressing an interest of any kind is lame. Uh, yeah. So I didn't really do much with the musicals or anything like that. And my school did musicals that were like the very dramatic, emotional, like it was Titanic, it was stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these are just depressing, man. Uh, So for the longest time, I didn't know that musicals could be fun. And my first exposure to a really fun musical was Dr. Horrible's Along Blog. And my rationale for it being my favorite is just, I think what was so cool about it is that it was written during the context of the 2007 writer's strike. And so it did a lot of cool, subversive things in terms of like, there's no hero, like the plot is disappointing, you know, the bad guy kind of wins, but loses at the same time. I I thought that that was, I know it's not the beginning of that kind of uh, narrative, but it's one of the first I came across in terms of like popular media of, you know, subverting expectations and um, having that experimentation and going out on a limb with plot and with development and characters of mass media.
0: So what is, can you give a brief overview of what this show is about? This is one that I've never heard of. So what oh. what sort of is happening in the show? Is Is it even something that you can synopsize in a straightforward way
4: i can i can try so dr Horrible's sing-along blog uh is written by joss whedon and it has neil patrick harris and nathan fillion as the two antagonists uh because neither of them is a protagonist in my argument so there's dr horrible who is an up-and-coming evil guy who wants to join the evil league of eagle evil league of evil which is run by bad horse the thoroughbred of sin So that's Nathan, uh, sorry, that's uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character. And he has a a vlog, as we would call it now, uh, where he has a little YouTube channel, and it's really funny. And then there is uh, Captain Hammer, played by Nathan Fillion, who is the superhero and who is protecting the city. And there's a love interest, and she's a very sweet person who her entire story, her entire character is around wanting to help the homeless. And so she's got these two men and she's in this love triangle, sort of, um, where they're both interested in her, though Dr. Horrible is only interested because uh, he wants... Sorry, Dr. Horrible is very much in love with her, but um, Doc, the Ham, Captain Hammer only wants uh, her because he knows that this will hurt uh, Dr. Horrible. And uh, it all plays out in a more of an unexpected way, where it's like no one has a redeeming character arc, and it has a ending where the bad guy wins and it's just pure tragedy and you know, the basis of human nature, but in a fun, mm-hmm. peppy song <laughs> delivery.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause so that's what I was going to ask. Like what is the music like? Cause this sounds, you said that it was the introduction to you of more fun stuff, but it sounds very dour and down. So what type of music are we talking about?
4: There's a couple of kind of like fun Got kind of that, like, excitement and building that you have in, like, a Pirates of the Caribbean song. Like, that kind of, like, adventure, fun, peppy song. I'm not very musically inclined, so I don't know how to describe music. And then a lot of wordplay. It's Joss Whedon, so a lot of wordplay, Mm -hmm. a lot of um, sort of not quite rhyming or, like, playing off of stereotypes, but then sort of, like, switching around. So there's some fun songs. And then, like, the evil songs are all kind of, like, joke, sarcastic evil. So... Like, there's a trio of cowboys that sing along to... That sing the messages from Bad Horse, the Thoroughbred of Sin, that are, you know, peppy and fun. uh, Except Uh he's, you know, encouraging Dr. Horrible to perpetuate evil and then eventually kill someone to be able to join the evil league of evil.
0: (laughs) So it's kind of farcical in what it's doing.
4: Yeah, it's very much... um, satire for sure
0: okay well i I have to say this is something i'd never heard of all-star cast though and and with joss whedon behind it i mean that's a pretty what like when you first said it i thought this was going to be some sort of small community somebody (laughs) that you just came across but that's a pretty that's a pretty heavy hitter
4: yeah so i think it was what happened is joss whedon wrote the musical episode of buffy which is was going to be my first pick but then i decided against it (laughs) Um, which is once more with feeling, which is a delightful, delightful episode. Uh, So he wrote it and realized how much fun it was. I'm pretty sure that was the timeline. It might've been the other way around, but he wrote one of them, thought it was just so much fun and wanted to keep writing musicals. Um, And so went with this during the writer's strike. And if you are interested and if your listeners are interested, it is on YouTube because it was uh, written and distributed for the purpose of being distributed online during this writer's strike you can find it like so many places online and it's only 45 minutes long.
0: Okay. I like that too. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So if anybody wants to listen to it, we will put it in the show notes for the podcast. And if you're going over to activehistory.ca, I'll link to it over there. Uh, So definitely uh, check it out. 45 minutes of your time. I mean, why not? You're sitting, working, trying to write emails. This feels like a perfect thing to watch. (laughs)
4: yeah I rewatched it right before we had our meeting actually
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes our very important meeting that we've had to schedule for uh for, for this uh so Phoebe I've asked everybody this coming out of the pandemic is there a specific show or a specific type of show that you're really jonesing to see the next time you can get into a theater
4: oh for sure a friend of mine and I uh love getting the cheap tickets at the NAC and we've gone a few times to like orchestra shows uh so like like they'll play a, mo- a movie in the background and then the orchestra will play the music so we went to Wizard of Oz and it was really amazing and I just love it just because like it's partially because I I find for me in times of anxiety like this pandemic re-watching things is such a deep comfort and watching them in a way that brings like a new level of beauty to them is really really wonderful so thinking back on that wizard of oz show where we get to watch one of my favorite movies and then listen to the music live from an orchestra in this amazing acoustics was just a very soul soothing um experience and i would love to go to one of those again probably a different movie, but, um, (laughs) those kind of shows for sure. And then anything else would probably just be like, I really love small community theater shows like, um, like goofy satires. I went to an office musical last year. That was so funny. Um, (laughs) so things like that bring me the most joy just because they're so goofy and silly and they're low budget and they're just people showcasing a passion. And that's the kind of theater that I've always really loved.
0: And that's what we need right now. Just joy and happiness and love. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on all that. So th- those sound like delightful choices, Phoebe. And hopefully in 2021, it will be possible to do such a thing as go to a theater and enjoy a show.
4: We can only dream.
0: <laughs> we, we can. Uh, so Phoebe Minnell, thank you so much for joining me.
4: Thank you for having me, Sean.
0: All right. And finally, the most important guest of all, my mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Sean. How are you today? No, oh, thanks. That's good. So, Mom, I, I want to talk about what your favorite musical is, but before I ask that question, I'm curious to know as, as you know, I grew up and we were very much a sports family both playing games and, and going to games. And yet it seemed to be your push for us to, to go to theater, to go to shows, which I'm obviously super grateful for, because now I go to a lot of shows. I listen to a lot of soundtracks and I, I've gotten a lot of joy and entertainment out of it. But why was it important for you when, when we were kids to take us to theatrical productions?
5: I think it's good for everyone to be well-rounded and knowledgeable about things more than, um, RBI's and, and scoring races, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. Did I do it intentionally? Probably not, but that was just that I thought I could give you something else. In life, yeah. other than sports, right? And not to say that I don't love sports never, too, Sean. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's true. You you very much uh, encouraged the sportingness. and we never saw like, damn Yankees either, so we never really combined the two. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, uh, but how did you get into theater? When did did you go as a kid?
5: No, that wasn't that wasn't anything that we ever did. Um, Actually, it was our friend Mary Ray Maine who, back in 1997, once the kids were all at middle school, uh, she said, "Let's go to Mervish. We can go in the afternoon, be home by the time the kids are, you know, by t- time at supper." And I said, "No, nah, I don't know." And so that was. That was where it started. We, we saw four shows that year, and um, the rest is history. It was as much to, to see live theater as it was to spend time with friends.
0: Okay, because, yeah, you, you would do the Wednesday afternoon matinee package. You two were the youngest in there by 40 years?
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, probably.
0: And, uh, and yeah, you go into the city. Uh, we grew up outside of Toronto. And yeah, you go in and then come back. And now you've been doing that for, what, 25 years?
5: Almost. Well, I think if uh, if there'd been a 2021 season, it would have been 25 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And same seats, right? Or have you changed?
5: Uh, pretty much the same seats. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And not, not, not just sort of where in the theater, but I'm sure the seat itself may not have changed.
5: (laughs) Well, um, a couple of theaters have been rehabbed, so.
0: (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Uh, So over those 25 years, or, or maybe it's something else, what has been your favorite musical?
5: Well, I think you could probably guess, but I think it's the Lion King. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, that's pretty early in your run, too.
5: Yeah, um, 2004, I think, somewhere in that area, early 2000s, anyway. Yeah, okay. yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, everything from the staging, the music, the costumes, uh, the interaction with the audience, it was just so well done.
0: Yeah, and I remember seeing it. We saw it together. At least one you saw it once with me. Have you seen it multiple times? I have. <laughs> I <nothing> again. <laughs> I said this earlier on the show. I spo- I saw SpongeBob twice on back-to-back <laughs> nights in New York. I'm not going to shade anybody. <laughs> We're seeing anything multiple times. Um, yeah. yeah. So is it was it something that because there is so much going on in that show, especially that opening number. Was there something in the show that really spoke to you that changed between the times you saw it or or something that stood out more the second time?
5: I think you, you get to look a little deeper at the staging. um, And I mean, like anything, you watch it twice and you go, oh, I forget, forgot that from the first time around. But again, it's been so long since I've seen it. I can't put my finger right on anything in particular.
0: Right. And and, and which is sort of what happens, right? You sort of forget some of the particulars. But there are things in that show that definitely stand out. Circle of Life, of course. And, of course. and you mentioned the interaction with the audience
3: mm-hmm. where
0: there are people in the crowd uh, with various items, like the birds, sort the of a, birds. a pole, they swing the birds overhead Yeah. and uh, the way they, they have all the, the animal characters, the way the costumes are, it's certainly iconic within the theater. And is it something that you were skeptical about going into it, knowing that I, I don't think my brother and I had Lion King on as much as maybe some other VHSs that we had <laughs> in the house, but I'm sure we had it, and it was on a bunch. So was it something that you were like, well, Disney, because this is really the first like big Disney it hit was. musical. Yeah. So is this something that going into it you had any any skepticism about?
5: No, it's it's always well, how are they going to do that, and what music would they play, and and I well, how are they going to bring hakuna matata into all of this like it's just yeah, yeah just the characters
0: right yeah because hakuna matata in the movie ends with an elephant sitting on zazu <laughs> that's right you, know, you can't really do that <laughs> you can't really do the that the show on would stage.
5: come to a screeching halt
0: <laughs> yeah you're going through an actor a day uh, twice on wednesdays and, and saturdays <laughs> saturday <laughs> um So for you, for you, what are you ultimately looking for when you go to see a show? What, what do you want to see when you go into a theater and what makes it an enjoyable experience for you?
5: I always joke with my friends that I'm easily entertained. Um, because we do subscribe to Mervish. uh, consequently it's mostly musicals for the, for the most part, but they're, I guess I have something in common with my parents in the era that they grew up. Because there's the shows like Forever Plaid and um, Mamma Mia, a lot of the, the Million Dollar Quartet, things like that. And, and I just loved the music from the 50s and 60s. Um, so I, it was always great to see that.
0: Yeah. And one of my, I don't know if it's a favorite memory, but it's certainly a memory that kind of stands out to me is when we went to see Jersey boys Right. with all of us. So I was living somewhere. It was after I'd moved away to some university yeah. and, uh, I, I was home. I think it was the summer and yeah, we went with it, you went, I think dad went, uh, both of your parents went to the show and, uh, your sister went to the show. And I remember thinking like, am I going to know any of these songs? Because it was just the four seasons. And I was like, am I going to know this? And then I sat in there. I was like, oh yeah, I know all of these, <laughs> I know all of these songs. And everyone was like, yeah, of course, you know, all these songs, but that was one of those shows that the music really goes beyond generations and and we could sit there with, you know, 60 years difference in age or whatever well, it was. Three generations. And, yeah. yeah and, and I'll just sort of en- enjoy this show. And that's something that that era of 50s, 60s, even some 70s music as we get into the 2020s, I think that's something that people can share across generations. And those sorts of shows, I think, will remain relevant for a long time because of that
5: absolutely and and now with technology you can sit down in front of your tv and watch all of that uh, yeah. whether and still generationally right for sure mm-hmm.
0: maybe not like together right now but oh,
5: okay you know. <laughs> <laughs> some form of video <laughs> chat
0: yes yeah or not video chat as we're doing right now that's true <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned that uh, your 2020-21 season has been wiped out for, uh, for Mervish for the theater, but we are hopeful that we'll all be able to get back into a theater at some point in 2021 when it's safe. What type of show, or is there even a specific show that you would pick? If you could handpick anything, what would you want your first thing back in a theater to be?
5: I think it has to be Comedy. The last year has just been so heavy that I think we're all ready for a big belly laugh. Yes. So, whether that's uh, Monty Python, um, we saw Spam a Lot. Yeah, Um, we did. We did. (laughs) Great Uh, show. Yeah. (laughs) Whether, I don't know, the Book of Mormon, like, it could anything that's going to make us laugh and smile.
0: Yeah. Or the producers. We saw the producers uh, together, producers, too. Yeah. The only show in the history of anything where you're like, oh, the Nazis are here. Yay. Like, <laughs> like it's the only time where the, the, you put on the Nazi uniform and it's an enjoyable experience in the, in the theater.
5: Yeah. Which sounds so wrong when you're so out of context.
0: <laughs> it does. But I mean, yeah, that's just one of those classic songs. Uh, from the producers uh, when they they do, uh, Spring it? Winter? For,
1: springtime. Springtime for Hitler. For Hitler.
0: Yeah. Uh, just yeah, one of those classic moments. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Something funny, something that will make us laugh. Not necessarily that I dislike some of the heavier stuff, but I totally agree that when we go back, first thing in, let's ease into it. Let's Absolutely. see something fun.
5: Now I must admit too, though, just before everything closed down, I was fortunate enough to go with your brother to see Hamilton.
0: Yes, you were. And yes. what did you think about it?
5: It was marvelous. Okay. I know not everybody has that experience. I think it's
0: really good, and people get mad at me for that. I don't know why.
5: No, I. it was awesome. I really liked it. Now, having been with your brother in a vehicle, listening to the music for a while. (laughs) Um, I got to know it pretty well. Yeah. And, and yes, it was, it was excellent.
0: Yeah. It's a really good show. The staging is brilliant. Mm -hmm. The songs are great. The, the, the way they, everything is weaved together is great. I have to say I watched the movie version recently I had the exact same reaction right after it's quiet uptown and they get back to politics. And David did come comes out and he goes, can we get back to politics, please? That's when I check out. Like we just had this very heavy emotional moment back to back first with Byrne and then with it's quiet uptown. And then we're talking about this presidential election. It sort of loses me in that moment. Yeah, and I know it's quiet uptown can't be the end of the show. Like, it can't,
5: it can't be. <laughs>
0: um, but that, to me, like that—that's the experience I had in the theater. That's the experience I had watching it through in the yeah. movie again. I'd agree. Um, yeah. So you know, it's it's just hard to go from that emotional stuff to to the politics. But yeah, really brilliant show. And if you want, you can head back in the spring we did a whole episode talking about Hamilton and and people can get mad at me again for (laughs) me saying that it's a good show, which apparently is offensive. So, uh, so there you go. So mom, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Sean. And we're not going to see each other over Christmas. We are not, but we'll see each other virtually. Yes. And you sent me a lot of, of really good, yummy, uh, snack food stuff. So I'm very excited.
5: Good, good. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have uh, have a cocktail and some sweets.
0: Yeah. So we'll do the exact same thing as if we were together. That's right. We'll just be looking at each other through a screen.
5: <laughs> I'll take that this year, Sean.
0: Yeah, it'll be great. So, okay. uh, so mom, th- thanks so much.
5: You're very welcome, Sean.
0: So I wanted to just take a minute here at the end to talk about my favorite musical and It's hard for me to pick a singular favorite so I'm gonna change it a little bit and go from favorite to affecting. Which musical affected me the most and it's a musical called Fun Home which you may have heard of the book Fun Home if you're not familiar with the musical which is a graphic memoir written by Alison Bechdahl, who you may be familiar with for the Bechdahl test. She is the namesake of, of that. And the story revolves around her relationship with her father. She is a lesbian. He was a closeted gay man who ultimately committed suicide. And the story revolves around their relationship. And you see Alison at three different stages of life. And... It's a, it's a tough watch, I have to admit. There's a lot of emotion to it. It's a very heavy show. But it affected me in a way that no other musical ever has. I saw it in New York on Broadway with the original Broadway cast. It had one for Best Musical that year. The, the previous year I saw it in January, it had one the, the June before. And it was in the round, and I sat there... <laughs> watching this show, trying my best to control uh, myself and uh, it worked okay-ish. Some tears came out in the show, pulled myself together, made it to the subway platform, completely lost it on the subway platform, just crying, made it back to the hotel, cried in the hotel lobby. It was a Sunday matinee that I saw. So I already checked out of the hotel and I was just back in the hotel to pick up my bag. Uh, So I was crying in the lobby, got myself together, flew back to Boston. It's the year I was living in Boston and essentially cried myself to sleep that night uh, and woke up the next day still feeling really emotionally uh, raw from that show. And it it did. It changed the trajectory of a way uh, of my life. And that's the only time that I've ever walked out of a theater and I actually said out loud like I, I have to do this thing and uh, that that's what prompted it so for me that's a show that certainly stands out as a, a turning point for me in my life and uh, certainly I uh, no regrets about that and uh, really it's one of those shows that I can't listen to that soundtrack too often not because it's not great it is but because of just how emotional and raw that show was and uh, if you ever get a chance to see it it has toured a little bit i would recommend it Uh, one of the reviews i think it was from the new york times said that anyone who has parents or is a parent should see it so basically everyone should see it and it really taps into the familial relationships in in a powerful way and it's allison's story with her father but there's a universal appreciation, or I think at least there can be universal appreciation for it. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Fun home uh, as mine, and I will echo what everybody else has said. When we can get back into theaters, I'm all in for something fun, for something light. Not only has this year been very challenging for everybody, but I've noticed a trend in musicals, at least the ones in Broadway, the West End's been a little different. But in Broadway over the past few years, a lot of the stuff that's coming out is pretty heavy. It's not that upbeat stuff that, that a lot of folks would associate with musicals. I do think that's related to the political situation in the United States. If you look at a show like Town, for instance, they struggled to get that made, get that on Broadway for a long time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it happened when it did, so uh, I do wonder how the creative world will respond uh, in terms of musical theater once we get out of this situation, but uh, I'm very curious to see what it is, And, and certainly the first thing I wanna see back in a theater is something fun, something upbeat that we can all come together and hopefully exhale once all this is over. So with that, That's it for this episode. I really do appreciate everybody listening. If you are celebrating, happy Hanukkah. It's the seventh day of Hanukkah as we release this. So happy Hanukkah. Hope you're all enjoying celebrating um, in whatever way you can, uh, given all the restrictions on meeting up and everything. So uh, hope all is well out there. And for everybody else, as we get to the end of the year, I send my best wishes to you all. We will be back. The feed will continue to have shows for the next two Thursdays on the 23rd and on the 30th. So look out for those. And of course, as always, do head over to activehistory.ca. Some great stuff over there this week, particularly an article from Monday that looked at some of the challenges facing grad students in the midst of the pandemic. Really great piece that I would highly recommend. And If you are listening to this on Thursday, be sure to head to Active History on Friday, tomorrow on December the 18th for the 8th annual Year in Review. A hundred years later, Aaron Boys, and I reviewing everything from 1920 as we tried to determine the most important event from that year. It's a lot of fun. We actually just did it as I'm recording this. We figured out the winner. Uh, I'm really happy with how it turned out uh, a nice winner. And in the spirit of having things that are a little lighter, a little more fun, we tried to write it in that spirit, in that type of a voice. So hopefully it's a nice, relaxing, diversionary piece for everybody at the end of what has been a, a very difficult year. So if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, all that good stuff, helps us beat the algorithm. You can also follow me on Twitter at the Sean Graham. And if you want to let me know what you want to hear on the show, get in touch, HistorySlam at gmail.com. So, as I said, we'll be back next Thursday. But until then, if you're out and you see Enrico Palazzo, please say hi for me.